0: The song said lord you you're ours you know would we see that would we love you so dearly because you look at us and that's what you see you see your precious children you see broken people and you wanna you wanna love them you want all of that mess and you want to put us together and we're, we're made whole in you lord so god we pray for mercy we pray for grace. We pray for deliverance. That you continue to to seek out us. That we seek you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. Just getting us, some of us, getting here tonight was it was hard. It was hard, and we and we pray that for more faith, Lord. We pray that you would show up in our lives and every single moment and the things that you know we we don't think you're there. You are working. You are doing things. You are doing more than we can even imagine, more than we can fathom, and God, you have such great plans for every single person, whether we know it or not, but God, we pray that we would trust you, we pray that you would show signs and wonders and ways that we've never seen, and you continue to do these things, if we could just have those spiritual eyes to see, so no matter how we're coming into this room tonight, however we feel, Lord, we pray that we would use these feelings to see you more clearly. More true would we come out of this, this gathering tonight and would we see Jesus for who he is. God, thank you so much for letting us be here, letting us worship someone that deserves all the worship, letting us to be part of that glory. I pray in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lamentations chapter
1: 5. I'm going to read, and I'll turn it over to you. God, as we read your word, let it be read with reverence. Would you anoint our imaginations to paint these hard word pictures, and let us be captivated by the text. But more than that, let us be transformed. In your name we pray. Amen. Lamentations chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Remember... O Lord, what has befallen us, look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, and our homes to foreigners. We become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We're weary. We're given no rest. We've given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There's none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is as hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion. Young women in the towns of Judah, princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill, and boys stagger under the loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate and the young men their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we've sinned. For this our heart has become sick, for these things our eyes have grown dim, for Mount Zion which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it, but you, O Lord, reign forever, your throne endures to all generations, why do you forget us forever, why do you forsake us for so many days, restore us to yourself that we may be restored Renew our days as of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. End of poem. Who End of poem, end of book. Has, there's a reason. It's like ending the song with the minor key, not the nice, open, major key like it's like) You know what I'm talking about? It's like, like that. That's how the song ends. But there's a reason. The Book of Lamentations is never to be read isolated. It's in context of the whole story because we know it doesn't end there. So, any good? Any others? You guys are ready to, oh, you got something to fill up? My man, no, you sure? I love that you're here, brother. All the children, I love that you're here. I wish when I was your age, I was absorbing books like this. Because in church, you hear so much about triumph and victory and, ah, but you don't hear a lot of the doom and the gloom and the hardship. But that's so what real life is. And the Bible's not silent. We're going to finish this book tonight. This is the final poem of the final chapter of Lamentations. Let me pray one more time. Take us through this, and we will, I pray by God's grace, know God way more intimate. And this is my, actually, when I was praying coming to tonight, and I don't know what's going on in the room. There's a thousand things going on in your hearts. But I felt very heavy for the person who is either drifted, meaning you feel very far from God tonight. You're so distant. You're, you're just You're you're numb. The thought of God is just like, huh. That's the person that I've been burdened for tonight. And I've been praying for you to be brought back. Back to Him. Not necessarily to an organized religion or a place, but the person of Christ. I've been thinking of that person. I've been thinking of the person who's never known the nearness of God. That's why I love that we say in that song, nearer my God to me. You've been a Christian, you've been walking with God, but the sum of your prayer life has just been pretty prayers. You don't know how to pray painful stuff. God is not intimately acquainted. He's intimately acquainted with you. You're not intimately acquainted with him. That's another person in the room that if that's you, I've been praying for you. And I hope that a text like this ministers to you. Let's go to the Lord. Wherever we're at, whoever we are, and whatever we've been through, you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who chose Israel, and even amidst their rebellion and the discipline that you needed to flesh out on them because of their sin, and yet your steadfast love and mercy was still there, and you still restored Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You still restored Judah. That same God, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the same God we worship this evening in this place. In this humble setting, God, we want supernatural interaction with you. Home on, play games. This is serious stuff that we read. I don't want to make light of this. I want joy. I want laughter. I want peace and happiness. And those things are true, and they're there, and they're for us. But oh, how true it is that we must walk through mourning and grief and sorrow like this. The good news of Christ is not good unless we see the bad news of our sin. So would you work all this out tonight? Would you bring people back to yourself? Would you bring people to yourself for the very first time? Do this in this place. Do this tonight. and Let tonight be the day of salvation. Let tonight be a night of singing and dancing and song, even through dark clouds. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, raise your hand. Uh, Or no, 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 raise your hand, never mind. Just raise your hand and stretch it out. (laughs) Um, If you were to um, look up things in life that are inevitable, other than death, other than death, and other than taxes, okay? Things in life that are inevitable, you'd likely find, and, and I know this because I've done it, lists and lists and lists of various types of suffering. That was interesting for me. I just uh, Things in life that are inevitable, like guarantee, local people say, guarantees, like for sure, you know, things in life that are going to happen. If you were to Google it, you would find lists, and those lists would be primarily almost 100% all suffering. That was, that was fascinating for me. Now, you know, you don't need to go to Google to figure that out. You can just ask Jesus. Um, John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, In this world, you will, not might, you will have tribulation. Another word for that is you're going to have trouble. That's not hard to see. Guys, that's a reality that we mustn't mustn't ignore. We must not live in denial of it. One thing I love about the Bible is the Bible is not silent about suffering and pain. The big question is, because that's inevitable, everyone in the house, from the youngest keiki to to the most seasoned kupuna, everyone here, We all know that this life has given us some rubs. Amen? Amen. Now, the big question is, though, okay, now while you're trekking Pilgrim through this life, how are you going to process that pain? What are you going to do with those trials and tribulations and hardships? What have you done up until this point in your life? When you're having a day, when you're rock bottom, when you're in the pit, when you're just feeling junk, you ever just wake up and just not feel it, not in the mood? The question is, what are you going to do, and how do you process that? That is this whole study of lamentation. You see, everyone in this world knows pain, and everyone in this world cries, but not everyone in this world laments. There's a big difference between a person who's a crybaby, we all cry, but then there's a person who's a, who laments. Lament, in short, and this is, I get this from Mark Rogop in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. I love how he put it. Lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. I'll say that one more time. Lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. It's a prayer. It's conversation that's going upward. It's not just you venting your issues. You know, you call brother, you call sister can just talk a little bit. You know, that's not prayer. It's not just vent, barfing your stuff out, you know. Prayer is actually calling upon the name of the Lord, aware of who you're talking to, and asking God to come through on his, it's, it's going to God, but it's in pain. Remember, every one of us, what's inevitable is pain in this life. But I wonder what you do with your pain. Maybe you just hit the gym. Maybe you just binge on a show. Maybe you eat too much ice cream. Or whatever. New hobby, new girl, new guy, new whatever. Whatever it is, you try to fix your pain. Whatever those things are. See, the difference between that and a Christian is a Christian laments. They bring that pain into the presence of God. And they're going to wrestle and grapple with this as long as they can until they finally find themselves resting in the promises of God. That's, that's lament. That's this whole book. Chapters 1 and 2 has been just this big expression of like, man, we're getting licked right now. Mourning over the city, his own people. Like, oh my gosh. And then chapter 3 was him just processing that for himself. And then chapter 4, it continues on, even though we hit that high point and we're holding on to the promise that your mercies and your, your love is never-ending. And then, boom, kind of back down into the valley. Just this huge rock and roller coaster. And then now we're finally here at chapter 5, and it's the similar tune. It's a similar song, except you sense a little bit more desperation. And the sum of chapter 5 is a prayer. It's finally brought this poet, who we believe to be Jeremiah, to a place of prayer. And his prayer in verse 19 that Olivia pointed out is to trust and, and trust God and say, you got to restore us. So so the to break it down, I'll give you the points up, up front and then we'll work through our text. If you have the worksheet that was printed out from verses 1 to 13, what we see in this prayer is see our humiliation. Like once you see, do you see our humiliation? That's what we're going to. Kind of see in the first 13 verses. The next verses from 14 to 18, in this prayer, he is praying that you see our depression. See our depression. And then in the final verses from 19 to 22, it's the prayer of bring restoration. So see this, see this, and bring restoration. Bring me back, fix me, do something. And that's the end of the poem. That's the end of the prayer. So we're going to work ourselves through this, all right? And I pray that by the end of this, all of us here will really learn and tap in to this gracious language of lament. So here we go, verse 1. So he says, remember. Now, that's a big word. It's, it's, it's not just like, oh call it to mind, like just, oh, passing thought. Anytime this word throughout the whole Old Testament is used, remember, it's usually connected with, remember your covenant. Remember what you said you'd do. So when the poet's using this language, like, remember, it's almost him also saying, like, and do something. The way, remember, when I was reading in Exodus, you heard the cries of the people, and the Lord remembered his covenant, and then he set them free. It's like, remember like that, God. Because right now the mess I'm in is junk. And we're going to see more graphics of that. But that's this, this, that's this thing. It's like remember, look, and see. Nabat Ra'ah is to like have some deep consideration and thought. Like understand this. It's the way people would say today. You feel me? Do you get me? Do you get what I'm going through? You, you ever use language like that with your friends? That's the beginning of this prayer. Remember. Look, see. This is big. This is the plea from the poet. Lord, why would he pray for that? Why would he pray, remember us, see us, unless he felt like what? He's forgotten. You don't see me. You ever feel that? You ever feel with whatever hardships you're going through right now? You look around. It's like you're invisible. No one knows your sorrow. No one gets you. You ever feel that? That's a real reality. That's what the poet's feeling right now. You know, there's something about seeing someone when they're suffering. They're really seeing them. There's something incredibly comforting And crucial about knowing that someone else sees you, gets you, is like they they get it. You know what I'm talking about? When you have a a, a difficulty and you finally bump into someone who gets you, gets it. This is what the poet is longing for. And this is where the poet in his prayer is questioning, struggling. That's why the, po- the point starts with see. our humiliation. But I want to hit on this note because I, I wonder in this place, if you are facing pain tonight, that perhaps in your brain right now, you feel you're in this alone. No one sees you. No one gets it. I want you to know this from the word of God. Psalm 33, verse 13, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 3, Lord, you search me. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways, all your ways, all your grief. He gets it. He sees you. You have it aching in your soul. No one sees me. No one gets me. Well, the word of God says, I see you. The Lord of heaven and earth, I see you. I see your pain. I don't know what that does for you. That does a million things for my insecure heart. Hebrews 4, no creatures hidden. All are naked and exposed before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account here's a thought raise your hand if you if you had a moment today where it was just it was it was hard you don't have to share what the moment was just raise your hand if you had a hard hard moment could have it doesn't have to be like as drastic as the city burning like you stubbed your toe oh you know like just a hard moment okay raise your hand okay good you're in good company here's a thought did you know he saw that like he actually saw that he was there That's a reality to chew on, guys. Because I also do believe this, that the poet knows this deep down. He knows this. He knows the verses I just quoted. But he feels as though he's forgotten. He feels it so much so he's got to begin the prayer. Remember, look, and see. Do you pray like that? Church, I hope you're going to pray like that. You beg for the nearness of God. Just look and see. Do you pray things like this? Father, you see me. You know how weak and fragile my frame is? How I enjoy being a conduit of your grace. I love to spend and be spent for your name, but I got moments, God. I feel like I hit a wall. Today's one of them. I feel as though I got no more strength, so please fill me up. I'm empty, but fill me up. You pray like that? End quote. That's a simple prayer. From one of my journals. Ordinary life. There's something about knowing that God sees you and the poet is praying, would you see us in our humiliation? Verse 2, look and see our inheritance is turned over to strangers, homes to foreigners. Now we mentioned this on observation time, but them having land was a clear sign that they're God's chosen people. And here's here's the thing though. It's now reversed. I, I think Hannah used that word. It's 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 inverted. They're supposed to have land, now it's given to the foreigners. The blessing is now a curse. Think about this. They're strangers in their own house. Can you imagine that? If someone came into your own home and you were a slave in your own house. No, you can't go to the fridge. Oh, no, sit down. In your own home. Now can you imagine that times a million? these people this is hard but they say Lord look and see you see this you see how I've become a curse and strangers are in my own home verse 3 we have become orphans and fatherless widows we're lacking the natural protection and provision of family there's no more head of house in other words do you see I'm totally insecure right now I got no protection or provision I don't know if you're an orphan or if you're fatherless or widowed, but you would understand the text a little bit deeper than some of us here. That is pain. In other words, he's saying, do you see how fractured our family is? And we're reaping the effects of that. Fractured family life leaves some big insecure wounds. I don't know if you realize that. I wouldn't be surprised if many of us in this room today, tonight, are nursing wounds and scars from broken, fractured family life, and now you are feeling a lot of insecurities. And this is what the poet is saying. Do you see that? Sin is nasty, guys. The most basic fundamental element of society, the family, is being destroyed. You know that pain tonight? I want to remind you, he sees it. Verse four to thirteen. Pay for the water we drink; wood we, uh, wood must be bought. They're they're internally displaced, and now they're living in their land under occupation and paying inflated prices for the basic necessities of life. Wow. Pursuers at our necks; it's just a risk to eat. This is the economy and lifestyle that Judah is living now in under Babylon. Verse 5, we're weary, no more rest. Verse 6, we've been given hand to Egypt and Assyria. We've got to go deal with our enemies, our pre- previous enemies, just to get by. How embarrassing is that? Verse 7, we talked about this in observation. Fathers sin and we bear their iniquities. We're just a sin soaked people. Slaves rule over us. This is worse than when we were in Egypt. We're slaves of slaves. Verse 9, we get our bread at the peril of our lives. Women are raped. This is an evil humiliation in war, guys. It's an insult because the men are supposed to be protecting the women. And your society is so bust up, your your boys can't even protect your women. And we're going to show you with horrific images in your face. This is in the Bible. This type of stuff happens today. And again, the prayer is, do you see this? Yes, he does. Princes are hung by their hands. These are forms of torture and execution. Young men grinding at the mill. Can you imagine our kids here? Our young boys here? Exhausted under wood, like forced child labor. Imagine that happening to our community. Can you imagine the, the background noise of such a place? You hear the screams of rape, the groans of people being beaten, the cries of children that are working and unfed? Do you see our humiliation? And even though all this pain is a result of sin and their wrongdoing and bad choices, just like our world right now, if you see this type of sadness in societies, it is a result of sin. We live in a broken world. People are sinning against each other from generation to generation, and this is the outcome. Understand this, though. Understand this: that when you turn the news on and you get sad or mad. It also grieves God. He sees it all. Matthew 9 says this. When Jesus went through the cities and the villages proclaiming the kingdom, he saw crowds of people. He had compassion because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, just like Judah in our story. And Jesus was moved with compassion. It's a word of his bowels were moved. Can you imagine Jesus seeing something and being like, moved to have to do something. So when I said earlier that he sees your pain, understand he's not just looking at you suffering like, wow, that sucks. No, he sees. And he's moved. The Lord sees this. He sees what's happening. But here's the reality. The poet feels like, you don't care. This is really deep and intricate. Verse 14 to 18, he says, do you see our depression? Notice a lot of what was described earlier was things that are happening around. Now it's going to be a little bit more within. Old men, city gates, meaning the old men at the gates, these were the guys. Th- this is like the city life. They, there was, they were the leaders of the town. They were running the government. They got things going. So in other words, it's a ghost town now. There's not nothing happening anymore in Jerusalem. Young men, they left their music, they don't even touch their instruments. Can you imagine? Life, no music. They ain't got no song anymore. The only song they have is Lament. Joy of heart sees dancing turned to mourning. Who likes to dance? Good. It's good for your soul. Can you imagine? So broken. Can't even tap your shoe. That's the hard, deep reality. Woe for us. We have sinned. Guys, the prayer is this Do you see what's happening around me? Do you see what's happening inside me? I mean, I could slow it down and draw it out, but I think the point is made. These people are broken inwardly and outwardly. The only song they can sing is lament. If you are here tonight, and some of this or a lot of this is hitting home, you're starting to stare in the realities of your life and that there is problems, there is issues, there is sin happening in your life that is reaping such results. You're heartbroken. We can put it in simple terms like that. You know your heart. Ecclesiastes three says this: that God set eternity in your heart, so you know when your heart broken, you can't fix your broken heart with a temporary solution. If you have eternal longings in your heart, like you do, and I know you do, because God's word says it does, the brokenness you feel can only be fixed by an eternal solution. Do you see that? Judah has tried everything they could, their own wisdom, the false prophets, Egypt. They went and exhausted all options that they could. And now they're reaping the results of doing life their own way, and they are broken, and they're heartbroken. And this is why it sets it up perfectly for the next final verses in verse 19. Because they finally come to a place through this painful prayer of lament, and they're coming to this real reality that no one and nothing can fix this pain. But you, oh Lord, restore us. You see how this builds up to that? Guys, if you're broken hearted tonight, whatever that might feel or look like, there is a solution. And you can't fix it with something temporary. You have to fix it with someone eternal. Who is that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what kind of life? Eternal life. Your soul has got eternal longings. You were made and we were made for a foreverness. And we try to fix it with all these band-aids of this world that they dish out. More pleasure, more money, more this, more that more drugs, more whatever, more partying, more fame, more more fun. Bigger house, more stuff, more likes, more followers, whatever it is you think it's not going to fix it, it won't fix that inner longing. Only Christ can do that. And so the poet comes to this place where he's so done and he finally leads up to this Beautiful word, but verse 19. But you, O Lord. I love that Olivia pointed that out. In in all this suffering, verse 19. But you O Lord. This is the turning point. In light of all the pain of the previous 18 verses, you O Lord, this is a true climactic moment. You, O Lord, this is huge. It is so huge. I pray this becomes a refrain in your prayer. You reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why is that so big? Because Mount Zion is all Kai. The city is done. The temple is down. All is destroyed. But you still reign. Do you see how powerful a prayer You see how you can apply this to your life. I lost my job. She left me. He left me. It's broken. It's this. I don't have this. But you reign. But you are still in total control. You rule it all. From generation past to future. This is a prayer of sovereign, saving grace. But you still reign. I love this prayer. I love this prayer because when it's being prayed, when everything else looks like it's falling apart, the poet says, you still hold it all together. Amen? It's as though the poet is just with one last push clinging to what he said in chapter 3. Your steadfast love's forever, and you're still in charge forever. That is a prayer that we must pray friends to our dying day because you and I are going to be living and growing and walking through a world of a lot of pain and in those moments when you're not going to be able to put your mind around it you have to be able to get to the place but you O Lord reign and then the prayer says restore to us yourself you see that I love this prayer he doesn't first say restore to us our stuff. Restore to us my health or get these Babylonians out or He doesn't say that. What is the, the cry of the poet's heart? I want you. I want you again. Bring me back to you. I want you, Yahweh. I want to know you. I want to be you. I want you again. Bring me back. Restore to us Yourself, I want you. Do we pray like that? Christian, that is the heart of our prayer. It's wanting to know God and be with God. Know Christ and be near to Christ. He is above all things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What is that? A right relationship with God. I love this prayer. And I love how it's nuanced. It says, okay, you gotta cause us to come back. Restore us to yourself. you got to be the one restoring. I love that. That's why he, I know he's reading Deuteronomy. Because Deuteronomy says, you're going to circumcise our hearts. And we're going to follow you. You're going to do it. John chapter 6. No one comes to the Father unless he draws him. It is the Lord who's working in us to will. If you have a heart tonight that is genuinely desiring God. Like, there's something going on inside you that's growing. Like, you actually want this. Like, there's, there's something that's, like, alluring about it. You're being pulled. Like, you don't even know why you're here, but you're here. And then you're actually thinking you might want to come back. If that's happening, I want you to see how mighty of a work of God that is, that God's doing in you. You're not, that's not happening because you came to the hippest church or we have the most comfortable seats. Or because of our free food. Or because of how good looking we are because we're not. Or you're not coming because of how epic the band is. Or even the personality of this preacher. None of that is why you're here. You know why you're here and you're wanting it? Because God is doing something in you. He's pulling at you. And these things that you hear from his word. The spirit of God is coming upon you. And effectually calling you and drawing you. And it's wild to me how many times I talk to people here and they they share how they got here and why they're here. I'm saying, that's all God. It's all God. This is a prayer that believes in sovereign grace. Restore us to yourself. You're the one that's got to do it. Bring us back. Notice the order, though. Restore us to yourself and renew the days of old. It's first God. The poet learns this. That's the starting point. All the hardships, the pains, and the issues that we're going through in life, God will resolve them. He who did not spare his only son, how much more will he graciously give us all things? You seek first his kingdom His righteousness, All these things will be added. But that's the flow. It's him and his blessings come after. But all I really want is him. I didn't really ask for all this stuff. This is great, but your, your word us to yourself. That's Christianity. If you send me to heaven and God's not there, it's not heaven to me. That's what our hearts want. And that's where Judah has fell. They fell from their first love. And now, verse 22, left them in that linger. Because though that's the cry of his heart, and that is what he wants. He wants to be back with God. The reality is, but we're still in this mess, and I still feel your anger, and I still feel your rejection, and the the poem ends. Oh, what do we do with such a roller coaster of a book? Well, there's a lot, and the first thing I would encourage you guys to do is learn to go into the presence of God with all your pain. Would you please believe that when he says he rewards those who earnestly seek him, but those who earnestly seek him, they got to believe he exists. That's Hebrews 11.6. That it brings God great pleasure that the next time you're going, some, going, to, going through something, you don't call her or him first, you actually pray. I have, because this is the final chapter, I have a worksheet that I'm going to give to you guys after, and you can take it home. And it's an opportunity for you to write your own prayer of lament. I'm just going to walk through it for application and then pray and we'll be good. But please take one on your way out. It'll be up here. But this is just a little acronym I put together. It's, it's not very, it's pretty simple. The, the acronym is lament, So it's lament without the N. But I, I encourage you, take this sheet home. Get alone with God. And just kind of walk through this. The first thing I have here is L. L means look to the Lord. Always address God as you draw near and pray. Just go to God first. Bring your pain into the presence of God. A, acknowledge your circumstance or your condition. Just be real. This is where we bring God our whys and hows and how come and how long and our complaint. Try that. For some of us. You may be doing this for a good bit. So you look to God. You acknowledge your, your circumstance, your condition. Then the M is meditate on his character and promises. Just begin to meditate after you've barfed it all out. This is the but moment. But you, I know you to be. But the word says. But your, your love is, you're slow to. This is the part. This is where you begin to start to, in your pain, you're starting to grab a promise and you're pulling yourself up. That's the M. I'm getting excited imagining you guys do this. E, entreat, or ask, plead, petition. That's what entreat means. An entreaty, you're specifically now going to call on the Lord to come through on his promise. To act on your behalf. To change your heart. To change your circumstances. You can say that. I don't want to be like this anymore. Do something. And then T at the end is the part in your prayer you're going to trust. So Lord, I trust you. I will sing. I will stand. I will walk. I will obey. That's the part of the prayer. And I, and I give it to you. I pray because all this comes from the Bible. That's the whole book of Lamentations we studied. If you will prayerfully do this. It may be a roller coaster, but oh, the joy that you will experience with God at the end. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Maybe tonight, this prayer of lament is going to be your first time coming into the presence of God. And I want to remind you that that access is only possible because of what his son Jesus Christ has done on the cross for your sins. You see, Jesus was sinless perfection. He lived a perfect sinless life. He didn't accidentally come to earth. God didn't scooch him off heavenly throne and he fell to earth and then do some, damage while, um, do some fixing while you're down there. He was sent. He willfully came. And he lived the way God said to live. And he chose to die. He demonstrated his own love for you and I in this. That while we were all sinners and suffering in our sin, he still died. Why? To save you and I from our sins. We never, none of us here are perfect. And so the Bible calls all of us to repent and trust. And that might be the promise you're going to meditate on in your prayer. Your prayer might be this. I don't think you can save me. I think I'm too bad to the bone. I think I've done too much wrong stuff that you would forgive someone like me. You might feel that tonight. And you should pray that. But then you should also open your Bible. And see that all the saints in the scriptures were people just like you. And your prayer then is going to be, okay, you said to repent and trusted him and what he did on the cross. That he's alive and risen and he's coming again. And Lord, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. And if that happens in your prayer tonight, then friend, you're no longer friend. You are brother and you are sister and you are a part of the family of God. So as we close this book, please, as we finish in a psalm, please, cultivate now in your life, your prayer life, the grace of lament. And I know that God is going to do great and glorious things in and through us all the way until glory. Let's pray together. King Jesus, as I look at my brothers and sisters in the eye, friends who are visiting, I know and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of your word and that it is living and active. And there's something in the Bible, there's something in the preaching that has penetrated the heart and mind. And what we ask now, Lord, is that you drive those seeds home. We pray that even in our singing right now, or even in our quiet reflection, that our souls would find itself gravitating heavenward. Life is short, Lord. But sometimes it feels so long. In the midst of long seasons of pain. Oh, how what a great gift the prayer of lament is. So teach us to pray, and teach us to pray in this way. Hear all our cries tonight, Lord. Thank you so much, so much for lament. Thank you that the book didn't end there, but that restoration indeed does come to your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me in standing as we sing.
0: sins and griefs to bear spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven lord we ask for more of you that we may also desire to be poor in spirit teach us to be like you lord in your name amen go in his peace